And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 95 of PNR's This Old Marketing. Recorded just a skosh early because of next week's content marketing world on Friday, September 4th, 2015. Well, it's here. That's right. On September 9th, thousands of people will gather. They'll come from all over the world. They'll sit and they'll wait anxiously for our most charismatic host to come out, introduce a couple of speakers who will present on innovation, design, the newest and the most interesting examples, the technology. There's going to be music. There's going to be television. There's going to be reporters and bloggers there covering the entire spectacle. It's going to be simply amazing. And of course, I'm talking about Apple's September 9th event, which is rumored to be debuting new versions of the iPhone and perhaps an update to Apple TV. Why, is there some other event that's uh, happening that I don't... Oh, yes, that's right. Content Marketing World. That little shindig festivus of shenanigans is also happening, and holy smokes, are we getting ready. And as you hear this... We are in full swing, either getting ready or in full CM World Frenzy with Nick Offerman, John Cleese, Christina Halverson, Jay Baer, David Beebe of Marriott, Andrew Davis, Rand Fishkin, Anne Hanley, Mitch Joel, Scott Stratton, and so many, 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 many others that I'd spend the entire show listing them all. But for now, it's Joe and I, ready to tickle your iPhone earbuds, watch your iWatch tingle and your iPod buzz and your iMac crackle with all that's fit to chat about in the world of content marketing. We'll finish it off with a bouncing beach ball of a rant or an OS 10 Yosemite Sam-sized rave. So let's pun no more and let's get on with a special episode, our pre-content marketing world 2015 episode. And to help me do that, my friend, my colleague, my good, good friend, and the hostess with the mostest of content marketing world 2015, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? I'm... I'm doing fantastic. Obviously, just a couple days to go. And I, I got your intro totally wrong. You know what I thought you were talking about? What did you, what did you think I, I was I thought you were about? talking about Stephen Colbert. That's oh, a, I'm that's like, also. That's a, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. That's you, also this week. And it's, yeah, it's the David Letterman's replacement, Stephen Colbert. I'm like, oh, man, I had that wrong. Actually, it's that September 8th. So everybody, everybody just has to like plan their things the same time as we do. Like, that's what's right. up with that's that? That's right. You got that. You got that uh, weird little conference up in Boston that's going to be happening. You got uh, Stephen Colbert. You got, got uh, Apple you got doing your their Apple thing. event, and then you got uh, Content Marketing World. I think, you know, I think everybody knows where rock and roll is going to happen. I think people need to start looking at their calendar. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, send a little a nasty gram to Apple. About that, <laughs> yeah. You tell you tell that Tim Scott nasty Graham. Let, let me tell you, Mister Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? This is probably better because people actually will be interested in this. We record. We've recorded this old marketing the way we're doing it right now for everyone except for three, I believe. We've done two lives at Content Marketing World and right. one at Sydney. Correct? Is That's that right? right. Yep. Those three are were our lowest performing. Podcast. Did you know that? That's right. Well, that's because we were drinking wine and there was like hooting and hollering going on. And it's very hard. Live shows are very hard to be interesting, I think. Yeah, we're much more interesting just like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, or, well, we are certainly, yeah. We're just blowing people away. Interesting is a relative term here. And interesting (laughs) is a low bar. On a scale from one to two. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, how interesting are you? (laughs) <laughs> it's a right. 1.4, my friend. Yes, we do have news. Yeah, short short news week, but uh, it is a short us, news week. We've got we do some. have quite a bit to talk about. Our top story, dun dun dun, comes to us courtesy of TechCrunch, um, and here it is: News Cred because they needed more raises 42 million more dollars to set its site beyond content marketing. The story starts out by saying that it's announcing a wonderful D round. Uh, I'm not even going to wonder what D stands for here, but 42 million dollars in additional equity funding. The company started out as a system for readers to rate the credibility of every online publication and story, shifted its focus and has pivoted a couple of times before helping brands find content and use content and calendar content for their marketing efforts, and now says that it's going to start expanding that 
which is going to become, as uh, they've described it, a SaaS platform plus marketplace where different parts of the business complemented each other. All content needs to be managed and optimized, say they say. Um, and what do you think, Joe? I mean, this, did, they, did they need a little dough here? Well, first thing, it seems like every week we're seeing a fairly large transaction in the industry. So this is uh, becoming... Just a regular part of the show. Uh, somebody getting a lot right. of money. I think we yeah. we should, you know, and we need to give a disclaimer like we always do. News Credit sure. is a very uh, good partner of ours and has been for years and years. So Absolutely. And now we can trash them. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shop got no. Everything's good. Really, buddy. This um, announcement may give you dizziness, headaches, and other things, and now we can go ahead and talk. And now on with the show. Uh, a couple things. One, it's very clear that they're talking about software here. Obviously, we've talked on this show before about multiples being much higher. If you talk about technology and software versus people-to-people marketplace hookups and that kind of thing. So they're really – that's why I think the SaaS platform plus marketplace will ultimately just be SaaS platform. That's right. Yeah, so we've talked about this before. So this is nothing new to you regular listeners out there that we love so much. Um, The the second thing is I thought the marketing automation play – it, in the article, it really talks about them going into the marketing automation space. I wanted to get your take on that. It seems like that, if I'm reading this correctly, it seems like their move is to be the automation provider, the technology that takes any kind of content, even into planning your own television programming, which is mentioned in the article here. You know, what do, what do you think about that? Do you think this is it did first of all, did I read that right? And second of all, what's your thoughts? I think you're absolutely reading it right. And I think, you know, so when you look at there's sort of two two elements to this, right? One is marketing automation historically came out of the email space. And if you even look at marketing automation today, where it sits and there's sort of two tiers of this, right? There are the enterprise tiers that are made up of <clears throat> I mean, truly you're looking at Salesforce and the marketing cloud with Salesforce, you're looking at uh, Adobe and their marketing cloud, you're looking at Oracle and their marketing cloud, everybody's got a marketing cloud these days. And you're looking at then sort of some of the independents, the Marketos and HubSpots that are still there. And then you've got sort of everybody else. Um, and sort of the 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 other sort of <clears throat> more niche focused, but they're all generating the email, right? It's all built yeah. around email. Now, they'll argue, well, we also do text messaging and SMS, and we also do other types of direct messaging to identify users and give you some level of automation of drip content out to them. But it's it's an email. We're talking about email primarily here. Um, and then you've got the web content management providers kind of nipping at their heels with sort of looking at web content management and how they're optimizing experiences across blogs and they're across websites, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a little bit of a Venn diagram there. What nobody has nobody has done yet, and I've written on this, this is not new, I mean, is taking marketing automation to its next level, which is that overlap in the Venn diagram with content and delivery of content across multiple channels and allowing marketers to plan and optimize content across those channels. And so everybody wants to get there, but it's nobody's there yet, and maybe they can get there. I I I don't know. I I don't. I mean, I, there's a long road ahead of NewsCred to be able to deliver that kind of solution without some kind of acquisition in this space. Well, well, no names, please. But there's some people that would argue with you and say that they already do that. I'm just saying. That, that they do marketing automation? That they, no, what you just said about that Venn diagram, spe- very special place in delivering, I, I think that there's some people that would say that they're already there. Well, they can argue all they want, but I'm they don't do saying. it. Yet. I mean, they, yeah, I mean, they, they don't do it yet. They don't, you know, they don't. They're, they're a wonderful workflow tool and a wonderful calendaring tool and a wonderful collaboration tool, and they op- open up a content marketplace and do asset management through – I mean, they do that. That's that's their core. I mean, look, I mean, I haven't had a briefing from them in some time. So if there's something new there that I'm missing, that's my bad. But to my understanding, they're not doing the same thing that a full suite – Evan no, no, no. I agree. I would agree with you. Cloud. I think that there's. I think that a lot of the positioning out there from other players, not necessarily NewsCred, but other ones out there, feel that they've got the. Well, you know, everybody does, right? We've got the solution. 
Well, of course. I mean, that's <laughs> that's well, that's marketing, right? <laughs> you know, the synergistic, unique solution the in the marketplace, world that, class, you know, world class. You know, blah blah blah. You know, but look, they solve a very interesting challenge, and and. I come back to this. We've talked about this a couple of times on the show, which is marketing automation, campaign planning, looking at digital channels, optimizing content. There's no, you know, when we look at that sort of suite of solutions, whether or not you're a business that can afford, much less integrate all of the different aspects of a huge service like an Adobe, Oracle, or Salesforce into your business, or whether you're looking at sort of point solutions for various parts of it is independent of the fact that there's really it's a very very low percentage of companies that have done this yet right so 4% is the penetration of marketing automation more broadly the companies i talk to the big enterprises they're just now starting to think about this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. so look i think it's a you know from a open field blue blue ocean whatever you want to call it i think it's a wide open space for news cred to go take advantage of but it's it's no joke. It's going to be a hard it's going to be a hard trip. That's going to be, I mean, they say it in the article. There's really no sales force for marketing automation or um, collaboration tools in our industry. So it's, that's right. Every, that's we've right. got a lot of players fighting over that. It's going to be an interesting. Somebody's going to get hurt. That's all I know. Yeah, well, and somebody's <laughs> going to win, right? And somebody's going to win, and and I think you're going to. I mean, you said this a couple of shows ago, where you know next year we could see a lot of consolidation and movement, and a lot of that cash on the sidelines is going to get moved into the market. And I think that's absolutely right. I think you're going to start to see this, you know, this kind of move plus some of the moves we've talked about in previous shows, where you know we talked about Percolate not too long ago sort of doing this same thing and moving you know widening their funnel in terms of the solution Capost did the same thing they widened their sort of remit of what they're trying to do and i think what a lot of these content marketing focused companies that have taken a ton of money are discovering is that quite frankly focusing in on content marketing as the approach just isn't big enough to justify the rip and replace that they have to do at these enterprises with other solutions. So they have to offer the same value that some of these solutions that they're going to have to replace offer. And so they have to become that marketing more broadly, not just content marketing, but marketing system of record, because that's, you know, in order to justify the prices that are going to justify the capitalization that they have based on the investment, they've got to take that over. Well, and that's why you've had discussions and emails come to mind that I've had the pleasure of being on the the discussion between like marketing content and content marketing. Right. Right. So. I mean, you know, and I get it. I get why those I get why those companies have to do that. Those investor meetings on Friday afternoon when you want to go home and have a beer and they're saying, "Why isn't the pipeline wider?" and you got to go, "All right, well, we got to say we do more stuff because that will open up our pipeline to other opportunities, but then you actually have to deliver with the solutions, and that's the real key here. And that's, you know, I think NewsCred is as optimally positioned to do that as anybody. Um, but they, to my knowledge, and again, I'll eat my hat if I if I see this in a demo that I haven't seen before. They don't have the functionality yet, and and so as they start using this money, they said they use, they're going to use a lot of the money to go expand in Europe and. Other places, but I have to believe that some of that dough is going to go to be used to bolster up the product and and I would see, oh out. yeah, it would have to. <clears throat> totally agree with that. Totally. Agree. Yeah. Well, well, there's that. Then there's that. <laughs> Do we have? Is that it? Here's what I know. I didn't get any of that forty-two million. That's what I. That's what I know. I'll. 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 I'll take that. <laughs> All right. No, you did so, not. <laughs> that I will agree. You did. You did, did not. Our next story also comes to us, ironically, from TechCrunch, but has nothing to do with a startup or money or anything like that. It is a new native ad format. Dun, dun, dun. Get ready, all you Gmail users. Google launches a new native ad format in Gmail. Now, uh, there's an update to this story which says that Google says they've been toying with this since really 2013, but the TechCrunch article goes on to talk about how Google is rolling out a new ad format in Gmail to 
all advertisers. And the unit itself, which sits at the top of your inbox, isn't that new. But what is new is the ability for marketers to be able to purchase that ad space. Starting today, Google is making it easier for all advertisers to buy these ads because now they can do it from AdWords. And for Gmail users, these ads work very differently than the types of ads that Google first introduced for Gmail. They'll appear both in the mobile version of Gmail and on your web desktop experience. What do you think, Joe? Is this... Is this bad news? Is this is this is this just inevitable? Oh, I don't I don't think it's good or bad. I think it's you know now you've got the Google machine all focused on just Google because you got Alphabet you know focusing on the other twenty five letters or whatever the case is. So you've got Google. Hey, this is this is going to generate a lot of revenue for them. What I do like about it, and I, I guess maybe not like about it, but I'm interested in it, is because the difference. From pay-per-click, where if you click on a pay-per-click ad in Google search, you will be taken away from Google. In this one, you will be it will open up uh, s- some offer, some content offer, some video. Right, right in context. Right in context. So I like that aspect of it because I think what it'll do is it'll force advertisers not to get lazy. And that ha- I think that pay-per-click is rampant with laziness right now. I think yep. you see it all over the place. Oh, here's our demo. Throw that up there. I mean, you. Right. How I don't know. I've probably seen 50 of your presentations talking about how to integrate your story into pay-per-click and how you can make pay-per-click actually work and drive the type of behavior you want to. I think that this is might might be. Maybe, it's another open door, maybe right? For, I yeah, mean, it's yeah, it's format. another open door where. You've now been given another interface to create a compelling story and a compelling content and sort of change that consumer behavior while they're in. But, you know, throw another direct marketing ad in there and, you know, at your own peril, I guess. Here's the thing. And this is the thing that we just have to realize. If you use Gmail of any kind, they have more data on you than any I mean than I think anything else in the world because they know what emails you open and what emails you don't and what emails right. you d- exactly. delete and what emails you go to spam they will know what you are interested in and Google as they're selling the space and I think you can do this directly into AdWords you go into AdWords and you set this up and man talk about highly targeted I mean you could literally say oh these people they've opened you know they've opened emails like this a thousand times they've got an x percent more chance to do it well put this in yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a, it reminds me of that Jay Bear used to do this presentation a couple of years ago where he would walk through the inbox or his social feed and he was saying, you know, there's there's an email from so-and-so, your friend, your boss, your mom, and then a spam, right? And it's like it just throws you off and, and it's so jarring. And it's like the opportunity there is to put something in into that stream, into that inbox that is actually interesting enough to want to click on and consume and get value out of like you would any other. I mean, that's the bar and the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to put something in that in that spot that really delivers value to that consumer and trusting the platform that Google actually does know so much about it that they'll place it correctly that you can deliver something really, really cool in that real estate that you couldn't otherwise reach through a spam email. And it's a real, I think it's a really interesting opportunity that most will not take advantage of. Oh, well, I know that most will definitely not take advantage <clears throat> of it, but I love the, the other features that I love is you can save it. So you, if you like it, you can save it to your inbox. It actually right. shoves it in exactly. there like a regular email. And you can forward it to a friend. It's almost forcing you as the advertiser to think about value. Instead of thinking about, here's what I need to sell. Exactly. So I don't. To your point, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> but I right. like. I don't know. I like the positive thinking. You're a realist. I'm an optimist. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll take that. It's Friday. I'll, I'll, I'll take the realist. I'll I'll, I'll yeah. take the realist brand for today. I'll wear that. T-shirt. Do you wear that? You you yeah, get that T-shirt. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I'm going to move on to the next story. (laughs) This comes to us courtesy of, here we go, Joe, roller coaster time, BrianSolace.com, the 10 commandments of content marketing. Dun, dun, dun. When I saw this hit my inbox 
um, of things that I that I read. Um, I saw the Ten Commandments of content marketing, and you know, of course, images of Moses coming off the hill and a burning bush and all that stuff happened. You know, I was like, all right, let's go look at this. So Brian Salas offers us up the Ten Commandments of, co- of content marketing. He says he opens up the blog post by saying marketers often confuse content marketing with engagement. I got no problem with that. Just because you get someone's attention doesn't mean your audience actually cares. I totally agree with that. You spend all this time following the work of others, listening to experts who preach sound bites and executing against a programmatic calendar only to miss the very thing that connects with people. Relevance. All right, so far so good. Then he goes into the Ten Commandments, um, and I've totally got to get your take on these, Joe. Things like don't chase shiny objects, don't operate against a content marketing calendar. We'll talk about that in a second. Don't use technology to scale. We'll talk about that because we just talked about it. Other And, you know, seven others that sort of go through what content marketers should be using as their Ten Commandments. What say you? Is this the Holy Scripture or is this just something that is a oh, – I'm not even going to go there with more metaphors. But you know, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, first thing I have to say is in 2011, I wrote a post called 42 Content Marketing Commandments. So the first thing <laughs> – So you've got first thing, four I got times 32, the value. I got four 30, times the value, folks. I got 32 extra commandments. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know how heavy that is? That's pretty heavy. That's, a, that's one stone I mean, tablet on, right there. Brian, all you got is 10? Come on, man. <laughs> Bring it. If you're going to come to a commandment fight, you've got you to bring, bring at least a dozen bring commandments. At least a dozen more. <laughs> what are you thinking, man? You only got you and your 10 little commandments there. That's nothing. Anyway, um, I do like a couple things here. By the way, Brian's a friend of, uh, of the, I guess you could say he's a friend of the show. I don't know if he's listening to it, but he's been, I've, I've known Brian for a long, long time. Uh, I do like the whole idea of, getting away from just activity we've talked about this forever i don't know there's a lot in this that we've talked about so we can just shake our heads at this article and say yes this is this is the idea and and the way that i was he never said this but the way because he's basically was saying okay activity versus some behavior change and you know we're all into that but i think it's absolutely i think it's i'm trying to think about this thing about activity versus audience i think that's a because really if you think about audience you're really thinking about Ultimately, outcomes. Yeah, you're thinking about outcomes. Yeah. That's right. I think, and I like that activity versus audience thing. And I think he's trying to say that. The one thing that I, you know, and focusing on, you know, you should, you should be valuable. You know, all, I mean, all this stuff. I don't think there's any like, oh my god, that's unbelievable. I never thought of it that way. The one thing I didn't get, and I should probably ask him about it. And I'm, I guess we we should do him the courtesy of, of asking that him that, but. The number two is stop operating against a content marketing calendar. I don't, and I'll read the whole thing so you can get the gist of it. Content calendars make you think about quantity, not quality. Your consumers are already overwhelmed with mediocrity, so don't flood them with more. I don't understand what he's getting at. Do you understand? Well, I think so. Because I don't, because content, because I will, I will, from the highest mountains, where Moses himself would have his original Ten Commandments, I would claim that content <laughs> marketing calendars are critical, are absolutely critical to the entire process of making sure that you build an audience that knows, likes, and trusts you. So I, I guess that's yeah. I guess that's one of the challenges I had with many of the command, not all of them, but many of the commandments, where the commandment itself was like, huh, or the the reasoning behind the commandment was like, huh, because this is one where. Stop operating against a content marketing calendar. Couldn't disagree more. But then when you read the commandments explanation, I go, well, yeah, I agree with that. Don't focus on quantity. Focus on quality. I I get it. Those two things don't equal each other, though. Just because you work from a content marketing calendar doesn't mean you're operating from a quantity over quality. It means that you're taking a strategic approach to the cadence of your content and how it gets put out. I would actually argue quite the opposite is start operating against a content marketing calendar so that you can focus That's on exactly, quality over no, quantity. No, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think that even if you are saying that, hey, I, I mean, some someone's very smart that I'm actually talking to right now says that – you should focus on the minimum amount of content to get the maximum amount of results. I actually love right. that. I use it all the time. And I, I, oh. tell, I tell lots of people that I came up with that. <laughs> yeah, well, that it that's... wasn't Robert Rose. <laughs> it was me. Me, me, me. Welcome to my life. <laughs> but that's, that's brilliant. And to do that, you have to operate within the constraints of a content marketing calendar. Exactly. 
and that's where I think a lot of that's where I don't that's where I'm totally lost. So that's right. And and and, though, and so while I love the overall spirit of this post and everything that Brian is saying here. To me, many of the commandments don't equal out to what he's talking. I mean, like, for example, he one of the commandments is, and I won't say the word here, but don't use technology to scale your S word, right? And so, you know, so, but then he goes on to say, basically, don't throw technology at what is basically a human problem. Have no problem with the sentiment of that technology or that, that, that commandment, but don't not to use tech that's all technology is good for that's the only thing technology is good for to help you scale your you know what and it, it i mean that just baffles me it's like the only thing a shovel is for is to help me deliver more dirt onto a pile than i can with my hands that's the only thing a shovel is good for the only thing a technology platform is good for is to help me do more of the thing that i'm going to do that doesn't mean that Anyway, I had to get off on a rant, but but that's I mean, so I guess the only challenge I have with this is that the the commandments themselves seem to in many ways contradict each other and and and, and I so the spirit, the actual lessons here, I agree with, although I agree with you in the in, in some form they're like, yeah, this is kind of basic stuff, but but the way they're put together seems to me to be a little misleading. And and I don't, I don't mean misleading like he meant to mislead. I just mean like they don't really quite fit together. And I don't know if Brian's even talking to enterprises like we usually do. And I know a lot of people don't work for large companies um, that listen to this program. But you – I know he does though. He, he, he I, because yeah, that's I, you know, here's the funny thing. I've never met Brian in person. But I have very often come in after him or preceded him into a consulting or a workshop. You know, lots of people, there's, I can't tell you the number of times that I've walked into a company, big company, and they went, oh, yeah, the last person we had in here was Brian Solis, and he helped us talk about this, and he was very helpful, and he was very innovative, and he's a very dynamic speaker yeah. and all that. I'm like, great, wonderful. Oh, yeah, of course. And there's very little that I actually, you know, when they say what he said, it's like, oh, that's really great. I've never met him in person. So, but I know his thinking. I've read his books. I've, you know, I know him for of his thinking. This, to me, didn't, this seemed odd to me, I guess, is, is well, uh, based on everything else he's written, this one seemed a little off to me well now he's gonna write you a, 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 <laughs> the next blog post is gonna be I don't know 10 him. commandments I'm sure he's on a why man. robert rose I mean, doesn't know what he's talking about that's exactly yeah, well what, there we go <laughs> that's that's Actually, mostly true we, we i think we agree with mo i think we agree with most yeah. of these the sentiment of them i think a couple things we would disagree with and and I think that uh, you know I'll let well we'll let Brian know I because I, I need to know I actually need to know about number two because I actually I want to get that because I simply don't understand number two the well the the number two of what he's talking about stop operating against right. your content marketing calendar so yeah all right moving yeah. on to our next story next this comes to us courtesy of Hollywood Hollywood and Variety dot com. This is your magazine. This, this is, is your, my magazine. This yeah, is your one of my magazines. Trade rag. This is it. <laughs> the trade rag. So Apple eyes its move into original programming. Um, dun, dun, dun. The moment the media and technology industries have been expecting for many years, the article opens up and says, may be finally arriving. Apple is exploring getting into the original programming business. Sources indicate the Cupertino, California Colossus has held preliminary discussions in recent weeks with executives in Hollywood to suss out their interest in spearheading efforts to produce entertainment-based content. What do you think, Joe? Is it we're going to start to see... Apple produce content, sponsored content, or original. Con- I mean, are they going to go compete with Netflix and all of that? I don't. I don't know about the Netflix thing. I. I mean, they, they could if they wanted. They frankly, they can do whatever they want. They've got enough money; they could make that decision. And I think that's that's why we talked about on this show. I saw some staggering statistic that says that Apple basically has more has enough cash to buy basically Uber, Airbnb. Tesla and like you know three others combined and still have pl- probably and still have money left, left over. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, I, the, the the article talks a lot about competing with Netflix, and I think that's too small. I don't. I mean, even though Netflix is a giant, but I I don't know if Apple's going into this. I think that we talked about the idea of Alphabet and Google and how Alphabet is going into all these different industries. I think that. Apple, whether they do the name brand change or not, Apple's going that direction. 
I think they need to go that direction to get into these other industries and markets that they need to be in. This could be the, the one of them is this is a little bit different move than I think us talking to another enterprise out there saying you should look at an, a content marketing approach. Apple has uh, it can go in a much bigger direction uh, because there's this paradigm changing with two hundred billion dollars. That's what the article. That's what they have in free, sure. in cash yep. right now. Two hundred billion. Here's my conspiracy theory. I wanted to run this by you. Let, let, so there's 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 all kinds of talk here in the article about them, you know, creating their own original programming, whatever that may be. Uh, that could be them purchasing a, a studio, content studio of some kind. I did the numbers. They have two hundred billion in cash, and they've been actually saving a lot of it. They haven't been purchasing a lot, whereas a lot of you know other companies, Facebook and whatnot, are buying like crazy. Right. Apple has not, and you figure, well, why hasn't Apple done that? So here's my take: Do you know what the market cap is of Disney? Do you know what they're worth right now? <laughs> okay, right now, one hundred and seventy-two billion dollars. This is not happening, by the way, folks, but where Joe's going with this. 200 okay, billion. Ahead. I'm just saying. <laughs> but the point is, yes, I don't think that Disney would ever go for it. But I think that Apple could. Neither take- would Apple, by the way. Apple's not going to go buy Disney. There's just no way. Why? Oh, there's no way. There's That would be such a mess. That there that would be. I, I completely disagree with that. I think that it's a match. I think that it, it's ab- ab- everything. If Instead of them going in and saying, oh, we're going to do original programming and test the waters if they really believe in it if they were going to take a steve jobs approach and go all in on that they would say we want to be the greatest storytellers on the planet and they would say bang disney with the best brands and the best talent i would totally take that bet there's no way they're gonna i don't think disney Disney would do it i think apple would want to do it i don't think either of, of them wants to do it i mean first of all that's too big a bet that you know the fact that apple has a- accumulated this much money does not mean they're trying to save up for a rainy no, day when it they're going to throw mean, it all it into a, one giant that. bet it could mean that it doesn't mean that <laughs> it's possible are you saying it's not even well, in the no, realm of, of course possibility not. i'm not saying it's not po- anything is possible i am i am a not a glass. glass. See here you are. The, the whole yeah, see, I'm the real. I got my realist thing. t-shirt on today. I, <laughs> not this is not going to happen. Yeah. I like it when you agree with me better. I wanted you to yeah. say, that's brilliant, Joe. That's the greatest idea. Well, look. Okay, look. Well, what it's, do you think? It, okay, what do you it think? It is a happen? genius idea. No, it's but not. It no, not forget happen. it. That You hated the idea. <laughs> I did Tell hate me, the idea. You hated it. You're wearing a shirt right now that you, you it says hated, hashtag hated. Now, <laughs> tell me this. What do you think they're going to do? Do you think they're going to buy a small studio? Do you think they're going to just start acquiring talent? Are they going to compete with Netflix? This is a big deal. I, I, what are they going to do? I think what they're going to do is introduce this. So one of the things that they've got to be able to do is justify the the reason to buy an Apple TV. Um, and one of those, this new what the new version of the Apple TV is going to be. And the reason that they'll have for people to do that, because quite frankly, Apple TV, beyond whatever you would be able to find – on iTunes and integrate. I mean, there has been no compelling reason to buy an Apple TV right now. I can get the same through my smart TV. I can get to Amazon Prime shows. I can get to Netflix through my Xbox. I can get to Netflix through my smart TV. I can get to Xbox through and and Netflix through my computer and plug it into my TV. So there's no compelling reason for me to buy an Apple TV other than the on-demand stuff that I might be able to get through iTunes, which quite frankly, I can get anywhere. There's, they don't really have anything exclusive, and that's the key. If all of a sudden they start having some exclusive content that's only available through Apple TV, that piece of hardware, that drives the sales of that particular piece of hardware. And so that's the only reason I see Apple getting into any business that has content written on it is because they're trying to drive the sale of some piece of hardware. And for them, the Apple TV is going to be a big bet. I think it's actually going to be a TV at some case. And so they'll make a deal where they've got a lot of great, amazing, wonderful content. So to your, the, the headline of your question is talent that they'll acquire yep. to do that and start producing exclusive content, then start making deals that are better than what you're seeing now with Microsoft and or DirecTV and some of the other competitors. So, so really are going to get into Netflix competition with Netflix. No, they're going to get into the competition with the hardware providers, the X, like Microsoft and Xbox. 
right? They're going to get into competition with the smart Samsung and their smart TVs. Um, you know, so it is the conduit into content, not the actual content itself. I don't think they – I think they make a deal with Netflix to, to you know, and at some point maybe ex- an exclusive deal, but I doubt it. Um, Netflix doesn't s- s- strike me as doing anything exclusive. So, yeah, to me it's about the con- it's about the conduit into their content, which is, they need to have something exclusive to be able to offer that. Well, we're going to have to agree to disagree because I think that's thinking. <laughs> well, we'll see I think right. for Apple, that's we'll too small. Right. I think it's too small. I think that if you're just thinking about content delivery as it as the playing field is right now, that's going to be totally different in 12 months. I just don't see it. Yeah, I well. want to see an Apple Kingdom like they're building a Star Wars <laughs> oh, no. Kingdom. The Apple, the Apple it, Kingdom. part of Disney. That's what I want. <laughs> you know how many people go to Apple Wonderland? Uh, you Everybody are be smoking there. Apple weed, coaster, my friend. Apple coaster. I want to go on the Apple coaster. I'm not <laughs> Apple, tall enough, Apple Dad. Coaster. I, I got. I'm going on I, the bouncing beach ball ride. That's. <laughs> Shall we do our last story? We We should move on to the last story. Are are we doing another story? Okay, let's do it. We do one more. We have one more. Um, We'll cover it very, very quickly. Our last story comes to us courtesy of Ad Age. Um, And I just have to give a shout out to Kate Maddox because she's, I've known her of her. I don't know her personally. Again, like Brian, I don't know her personally, but I know her work very well. And since she was a writer at B2B, I've admired her writing. And and so it's a great article covering what could normally be a fairly boring topic, but it's how CMOs are spending across the customer buying cycle. Headline here in the article opens up by saying more than half of marketers plan to boost marketing budgets and content is making the biggest piece of the pie. So interestingly, and this is, I think, the headline really for us to talk about is that this new study, which is by IBM and the CMO Club, um, found that content development will make up the largest portion of the marketing budget, 13.3%, followed by traditional advertising at 11.5%, said the study. Other top areas of investment will be online advertising at 11%, events 10%, website development 10%, and public relations 9.5%. So, did I mean, did this surprise you, Joe, or is this something that the writing has been on the wall for some time? It does actually, no, it does surprise me. I, I think it's it feels too soon. I, I didn't know that CMOs were thinking this direction. I'm delighted. If it's true, I'm absolutely delighted. I don't see that panning out in the budgets. Do you know how much shift we'd have to have if that were true? I, I think that's I think it's, you know, you know, I think maybe focus, maybe more focus. I can't see more of the marketing marketing budget is going to go to content creation and distribution versus what they're spending on advertising if you've got because if these are the top 100 well it's it's 100 CMOs so we don't know but let's say it was the sure. CMOs of the Fortune 100 who are spending you know on average let's say a billion dollars to 4 billion to plus on traditional advertising i are they real are they really going to spend more next year on content creation and distribution right right how, you know how much you know how much that is that's yeah, a lot. lot. Yeah. That's like Apple buying Disney a lot. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. I had to do it. It's on the brain now. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I love it. I like the article. I love the direction. It's just interesting as we're seeing this um, momentum, continued momentum and more people thinking about it. It does. It, I got to tell you, though, it does worry me a little bit just because of the fact that how many of these companies that you and I go into that still don't have their collective stuff together, right? And are going yeah, to spend more that money much at more and, at that? And, yeah, oh exactly. my goodness! That's yeah, a exactly. Little bit throwing scary. more money at it is not the issue. It is. It is. You know, nobody's producing less content this year than they did last year or the year before. Everybody's producing more content, but that doesn't mean that there's any fixed or or well, normalized strategy for it. I'm going to talk about the, yeah. I mean, I'm going to this week. I'm you know talk as people are listening to this. I'm going to talk about it on the main stage at Content Marketing World and and talk about how that you know we've really uh, you know we're we're beyond the hype. And there's a lot of people now that are dissing content marketing as a practice because there's so many companies out there that said, hey, we, we spent a lot of money and we tried it and it didn't work. Right. And I and we're going to just get more of that in the next 12 months. And yeah. this is going to lead to that. Um, so, but, I, but this is totally, I think, to be expected. I think you and I, we talked about the last couple episodes. This is, you know, this is just part, part of the course. 
Exactly. We're growing the discipline. Exactly. They're they're exercising their their content. We're going marketing. the distance. All alone. All alone. Okay. I'm sorry. Speaking <laughs> of CMO spending more money on content development, we have a wonderful sponsor to talk about. We absolutely do, and this old marketing is just so pleased to be sponsored by Studio D, a division of Demand Media. Uh, in the content marketing files, I always think about the X Files when I read this. The I love content that. Yeah. marketing files: lessons learned from the last decade. So this is a great ebook. You'll learn the ins and outs of content strategy, creation, and distribution from specifically from Studio D and Demand Media. And we talked about this in the last few shows. And we've, of course, Demand Media has been a great sponsor of ours. They really made a pivot. They super made a pivot by doing all the, the types of, you know, how do I get found in Google type of content to really focusing on ongoing content strategy and uh, just better storytelling in general. And so they're going to give you your tips about how to nail your strategy, track your ROI, publish content that really resonates with your target audience. You can download this now, right now, unless you're content marketing world, then you can do it later, at <laughs> bit.ly slash studiod dash cm files that's studio d slash cm files and if you get a chance uh go check it. studio d just did a whole new branding this is a this is a rather fresh division of demand media even though they've been doing this for a long time check them out when you can i love the rebrand gang doing and of course so we'll fantastic spend, spends a lot of time with each other content marketing world they're a good sponsor of ours so fantastic piece fantastic work we love you thanks for sponsoring PNR. Thank you so much, Studio D. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is favorite time of the show time. That is our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that drives us crazy or something like makes us feel like going to Content Marketing World because we're so happy. Um, Quick announcement here before we get into the rants and raves. I have been... Issuing another little Easter egg, folks, um, in all of the shows, the last eight or nine shows, I have posted a little Easter egg, and the timing of this may give you a little bit of a hint of where they were. And so anybody who tweets me up with what that Easter egg is gets a free copy of, let's do both books. Let's do Joe's book and my book. Um, oh, that's um, so nice. Yeah, there we go. By the so way, anybody, the, I tweet me up. That's uh, first of all, I had no idea you were doing this because I'm totally oblivious every time you do this. Like I never, even though I know you're doing it, I still can't figure out when you're doing it. So, you're, so, <laughs> so good for you. Uh, by the way, uh, and t- totally uh, gratuitous plug here. Co- today is the formal launch day of Content Inc. As people listen to this, fantastic! So, it's so good. So absolutely, um, we loved it. And so basically, you're giving out. Uh, content Inc. and an experiences. Is that what you're That's doing? That's correct. That's right. Ooh. Experience is a seventh era of marketing and Content Inc. and tweet us up and get the right answer. And then, um, yeah, there we go. Sweet. And so, I'll never uh, get see. it. Am I, I guess I'm going first. I'm you go first, Jay, because you have this so old So I have marketing. this old marketing. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to beg your indulgence here. You didn't know that I was going to do this. I actually did a little sleight of hand here. And when I sent you over my rave, it was actually uh, not the one I'm actually going to do. Oh, well, that always um, helps the programming notes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So this is a rave to my friend Joe Polizzi oh, in Content no. Marketing World. So uh, in September of 2011, I walked into the hotel ballroom of the Renaissance Hotel in Cleveland. And if you've never been in the Renaissance Hotel, you know um, it's a vaulted ceiling, high-arched window, marble strewn. I mean, it's never met a gold or a ruffle they didn't like, okay? So Joe and I, of course, knew each other. We'd finished our first book, but we didn't see each other or talk to each other nearly as frequently as we do now. And in that ballroom, it was just amazing. This is 2011 here. The set, as they always are, they transcended the hotel's decor. And so I was like many in the crowd. I was eager to see what was going to happen here. There were 600 people at the very first content marketing world. And I saw Jay Bear come in in one of his wonderfully resplendent sport coats that he used to wear. He doesn't wear so much anymore and talk about the now revolution. I saw Sally Hogshead start her whole fascinate journey. I bet David Mirriman Scott 20 bucks that I couldn't naturally get the word penis into my introduction of the Wonder Caged match. And I won, by the way. I heard Kevin Smith drop the F-bomb more times than Donald Trump uses the word loser. But then I also saw Joe beam with pride at the end of it. His family was on stage and there was a gleam of something so much bigger in his eyes. And he was worried that a few hundred people wouldn't show up and 600 did. 
And then the next year, 2012, it was wonderful. More than 1,000 people show up. The, the show is in Columbus that year. It had already outgrown uh, Cleveland. From the pictures, my sad and very unfortunate choice of, choice of outfits sort of reflected the whole spirit of Columbus. Sorry, Columbus. Um, but it was also the year that I was much more intimately attached to CMI. And Pam Kozelka, the uh, head of our operation, in a wizard-like way, made sure that I got to simultaneously watch the Cowboys win over the Giants over screens over Rick Spring as he was playing Jesse's Girl. I mean, come on. And back at the hotel, I got to sit with Rick Springfield and the band and watch the finish of the game, talk trash with his bass player. And I finally got to meet Andrew Davis and learn about his brilliant mind and Marcus Sheridan and his dynamic preacher-like charisma. And most of all, again, Joe and I sitting alone having this moment where he looked at me and he said, I think there's something here. And then 2013 was a complete blur. It was back in Cleveland now, and the only thing that I had on my mind that I was going to meet William Shatner. I mean, screw all this content marketing stuff. Captain Kirk was going to be at this event. It was unbelievable. And, and then it was old friend time by this point, you know, getting to hang out with just insanely smart people. Joe Turnoff and Ann Hanley and Tim Washer and Ardeth Albee and Jason Miller and Michael Brenner and Carlos Hildago and Doug Kessler and on and on and on. And the only thing was I got far way too buzz at the 80s music fest that was there. And I remember walking back to my hotel, soaking wet from sweating, from dancing so hard to those 80s music. And sadly, there is video of that, which is just uh, embarrassing even to this day. And I remember sitting with Joe at the end of that one, and the whole CMI and Joe looked out at all of us, and he said, let's go. Next year, this thing is going to be even bigger. And last year, 3,000 people show up, special now because of its familiarity to me. It feels like family now, and so many people come up to me and they say that even though the event is so huge, it still feels like a community. And that's what it is. It's family. It's home. I was humbled and embarrassed that there weren't enough seats at my uh, my presentation that year. I was blown away by Kevin Spacey's presentation and not so blown away with meeting him in person. I was mesmerized by Julie Fleischer at Kraft's story of using content marketing and it actually working I was honored to be able to introduce the concept for my new book with Carla Johnson. It was all unbelievable. And we did this totally funny skit to open up the whole show where I got to go out and play a little bit of piano. And Joe pulled me aside just as we were getting ready to go out on stage at that opening thing. And he said to me, he said, can you believe that this is our job? Somebody asked me this year about going to content marketing world and how much of it was work. And I said, absolutely none of it. It's one week of love, laughter, celebration, homecoming, graduation, more laughter, a whole lot of learning, debuts, conclusions, storytelling, yet more laughter, yet more love, great content, in that order, by the way, and most of all, I get to live it and call it my job. That's my rave this week. Man, you really had me fooled. You put it a whole different rant in your email and everything and then you throw that how can i be mad i can't be mad at you when you say stuff like that i can't do that thank you i mean it's this this is my favorite time of year man we are all in this together it's been such a great ride i've enjoyed every second of it and uh it just keeps changing and evolving and uh, I think the best part about it all, including the, just the fact that you and I just get, get to have so much fun doing this kind of stuff together, is the fact that I think we are changing lives. I think we are actually yeah. helping people um, communicate better and get better yeah. jobs and live better lives. And exactly, and I, you know, we're not. I, I think that how many when were we, we were in the uh, meeting at uh, Content Marketing Institute team meeting a couple whatever month ago it was, and I said we're not. You know, we're not specifically saving people's lives we're not we're not feeding the hungry we're not uh, we're not getting people who are homeless you know places to live but we are doing something that's making an impact on the world in a positive way so hopefully we'll just continue to do that thank you that was super nice yeah. hope i hope somebody i hope people are still listening i hope they're <laughs> they're actually <laughs> they still up. they gave up after the whole they're like oh this is they, they were a, going, oh yeah that's like, right disney said, apple no this is click off now nah, we're out of here we're gonna look at yeah we're gonna look at it's like <laughs> for some reason at the 27 minute mark everybody just dropped <laughs> i don't know what happened to that one all right here's mine it's a quick one yeah uh i got um I got a magazine the other day from, and I know the people that run this magazine. It's it's just thinking. I can't, no names, please, on this one. But just think sure. of leading trade publication, always been for many many years, and I know these people really well. And I got the magazine. The magazine was seventy six. By the way, print is still alive and well for those people that don't know. Seventy six pages 
was the magazine. Very actually small for this publication. And it looked very ad-ridden to me. And, of course, I, the obsessive-compulsive person that I am, I went and counted. So I, I wanted to know how many ad pages versus how many editorial pages there were. And generally, just so you know, in the trade publishing world, it's 60-40 ad-to-edit split. So you have 60% ads, okay. 40% editorial. I do not like that, by the way. I always liked 50-50 or 40-60 split. And, of course, if you look at Chief Content Officer magazine, we're 30-70. We're 30 ads, 70 editorial because we want to focus on the content. We want to sure. – we have supporters. Yeah. That's great, whatever. So I'm like, okay, 76 pages. And I counted. Guess how many editorial pages there were in the 76 page is how many? Uh, nine. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, there were t- over, 20. I'm overshooting <laughs> yeah, the mark 20. because there were, obviously there's yeah. a reason for you talking there, about this. 21. There were 21. So 21 pages. 21, so 50 pages. 21 pages of content. And the rest were advertising. Wow. So 55 pages of advertising. And I saw it. So just leave that with you. So this is the leading informational provider in that specific industry. And that's how many ads you got to go through. And then the second one, and this is an article, and we'll put this in the show notes as well. This is from today, September 4th, as we record this. Uh, Dear ad industry, suing ad blockers and cutting off readers is not a great strategy. So this is from Fortune Magazine by uh, Matthew Ingram. And basically what's happening is... And we know we've talked about you know many organizations and many people around in this, but uh, they're they're talking about the IAB Interactive Advertising Bureau, and we've been friends with the IAB for a long time, covered a lot of stuff on here. But there's some scuttlebutt going on that they're going to sue some of these ad blockers, and the the article goes on to talk very specifically about um, that's what the music industry did. It's like it's just, we're going to hold our ground, we're going to be resistant to change, and we're just going to sue everybody that we can. And of course, that worked out a little bit differently. But um, it's it, it's interesting, <laughs> or not? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I make these points, and you, and actually, it's a really interesting article. But I, we don't have time to go into all the depth about it. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that if you are an ad supported business, like the one that I talked about with the egregious split of the 76 pages, and then you're you're you know, an ad advertising groups and you're fighting this ad blocker thing that's going on, that's going to happen. Uh, and people are going to have the choice to do that, whether you like it or not. Um, you're in a very tough position and brands that don't companies that aren't supported by advertising to the extent that it makes you change your business model in some way. Um, you have the advantage we've talked about it for a long time and that's why i yep. believe that that's absolutely right that that publisher that non-public non-media companies have a clear and distinct advantage when it comes to this and i think that you, that's why we're sort of this is a call to arms and we've got to take advantage of it now because it's unfortunate that publishers are screwing this up for themselves which they don't yeah. they are i mean are you right. kidding me i can I, and i and it's like the record companies clinging to these old business models and this is you know i mean Theodore Levitt talked about this in 1963 with the with the train, the railroad business, and Hollywood. You know the fam, the sort of mogul owned theaters, and and not understanding that they were in the entertainment business, not the not the movie it's, business, and not understanding they were in the transportation business, not the railroad business. It's funny publishers don't understand what business they're <clears> really in. Well, what's interesting about this whole thing, and if you if I I could do a whole case study on this magazine. This is, again, a publisher thinking that they're a magazine publisher, like a a media company thinking they're a magazine publisher because they focus so much on the advertising of that. At the same time, they haven't noticed that their industry-leading event that they held, which, by the way, the the marketing of that is a lot from that magazine. The event has gone down the tubes at the same time. I wonder if there's a correlation. Of course there is. Of course. Of course there is. You're losing the It's a chase it's a race to the bottom. Exactly right. And I just it's it's amazing that when you're so focused on, oh, I've gotta make profit off of every little piece of content. And even even companies out there that are listening to this that let's say you're not a publisher, but if you're trying to get to the ROI faster than you should, bad things happen. And that's exactly what's happening in this situation. So yeah, not as uplifting as your. Rate, I love that one. No, no I but love it's, that. It's interesting. Well, they're related in a way, right? I mean, they're they're truly related. 
in an interesting in an interesting interesting, way. interesting backwards yeah. kind of way. All right, so now, ladies and gentlemen, the namesake of our show. And um, did you? I mean, you, you're such a thin guy, and you 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 exercise all the time. You've never you've never used I have. watchers, right? I absolutely have. Oh, okay, I absolutely Fantastic. have. I I've, do, I've do done the it. Few, I've done it a few times myself. There was a yeah. There was a, there was a competition when I was at Penton Media. The, there was a competition, and we all. Uh, we did a Biggest Loser competition because Biggest Loser yeah. was that was big at the time that we were going through it, and I'm like, well, I want to be in on this, and I I did the whole Weight Watchers thing, yeah. Oh, fantastic! I've done it a few times and um and done the points thing, and I've got the app and all that kind of stuff, and and it's been it's been it's been interesting. So anyway, so that's what we're talking about for this old marketing this week is Weight Watchers and specifically their Weight Watchers uh, uh, magazine. And um, oh, by the way, big hat tip to Sarah. Um, for uh, pointing this Sarah out Mitchell. to us. Sarah Mitchell, yeah. Sarah Mitchell, yes, pointing this out to us um, because it's just a wonderful, wonderful example um, of, of really this old marketing. And it's Weight Watchers magazine, which was founded, I didn't know this, I mean, I'm familiar enough with the magazine, founded in 1968. Um, and the interesting thing when I was doing some of the research and the history here, one of the things that the one of the historical notes says is, it was that unlike other trade magazines or house magazines of its time, Weight Watchers was one of the first to actually be circulated to the general public. So it was it was very interesting to me that this was a magazine not really focused on loyalty, which is what we often talk about when we talk about these house magazines that were that were done back in the day, but really focusing on top of the funnel awareness um, and sort of generating interest with the general public. And it sold actually on the newsstands, and it actually sold very well. Um, quite in fact, it was um, so in 1968, and it was published and it's still being published today, of course. Um, the magazine was created um, through a collaboration with the Weight Watchers chairman at the time, which was Al Lippert, and the editor was Marty Simmons. By the way, really interesting little factoid here. Marty Simmons would go on to later found the National Lampoon magazine, which was a magazine that I loved as a kid. Um, and then um, also he had come from Diners Club magazines. And so this Weight Watchers magazine was really, really successful in the early days. It was um, – Sold initially in about 18,000 supermarkets across the country. Um, instantly successful. Started with about 70,000 subscriptions. Grown to about 85,000 subscriptions after only four issues of it. And then ultimately got to millions and millions of subscriptions uh, later on. And it was basically published really with the idea of general weight loss tips, um, the idea for a living a more healthy lifestyle, recipes that were approved um, by you know physicians as well as Weight Watchers, of course, themselves. In the early 90s, it got to a really, really successful 4 million mark, 4.5 million um, uh, to be precise, um, and 4 million of those were women interestingly enough. And so a highly, highly targeted women's magazine by the early 90s um, and just really amazing demographics there and really focused on a very specific persona. Love that about this story was really the idea of the value. And it just then it sort of went through a little bit of a sleepy time and has just literally and this is one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about it so much on this show was they've just relaunched it. They've just relaunched the print magazine for Weight Watchers. New look, new feel, new editorial direction, really focusing. And they launched it at the beginning of this year. Um, and it's now a uh, six-month – or excuse me, a six-issue per year magazine. January, February 2015 issue um, was the first launch. And basically, it's really focused on just healthy lifestyles. It's still sold on the newsstand. And it's just an amazing example of a magazine and content driving the awareness of not only a brand but of a topic and approach of how these guys solve and 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 work on selling products which of course for them is you know services to weight loss centers in both physical online and and content different ways great example of this old marketing oh, i love that i love the older examples actually somebody i was talking with somebody yesterday and they were asking how do we get so many of these old content marketing examples and i said half of at least half of them had to be uh given to us by our audience that's right is, that's the best part about it that's it's right like we can't do this by we can't do it by ourselves we can't do it without you we people need we can't do help it. anyways so as people listen to this you and i are digging in our but heels it, here 
Exactly. We will be, by the time people hear this, you and I will be actually physically together in Cleveland working our little butts off, <laughs> working, um, right. and, um, and just really taking in the sights, the sounds, the smells of everything of content marketing world. I cannot wait to be there. I'm super excited. We, man, we've, I just, I just can't, it, it's hard to believe it. I, this is like our, you know, this is content marketing week for us and getting to see so many amazingly smart oh, people. It's and, homecoming. It's get to see all those people. It's just amazing. I actually That's love it. I, I love yeah. being in, I like going, walking through the exhibit hall and I just like standing there and just shaking people's hands and just, yeah, just like, I can't believe you came. That's awesome. You came from, man, we have so many people internationally this year too. Well over, I think it's 51 or 52 countries. Coming I, I can't yeah it's like coming That's to cleveland <laughs> coming giddy to cleveland up, giddy up yeah. baby get my my <laughs> town i'm gonna show you the good parts although I, I do have to say this man a lot of construction going on because they're getting ready for the rnc next year of course but yeah. next year it's gonna be perfect but anyways yeah, good stuff all right well let's get to it so you know tweet us up give us those story ideas we love you for it hashtag this old marketing on twitter Get us, uh, get us those story ideas. Get us those This Old Marketing examples. And if you've got a question, of course, you can always email us at thisoldmarketingatcontentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode number 95, do consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links we talked about today will be available in the show notes within the actual show and, of course, on the post that we'll post on Saturday, which will be after Content Marketing World, of course, at thisoldmarketing.com. Remember, folks, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.